There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Things are only impossible until they're not. Welcome to The Captain's Chair, a podcast on all shows in the Star Trek universe on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Sean Fangirl S, and joining me on this journey into the unknown... I'm Chief Engineer Steve. And I'm Richard Dave, and tonight we'll be discussing Episode 5 of Season 2 of Star Trek Picard. Okay, so we are close to the end of the season already, right? Or no, we're midpoint. Yeah, midpoint. Midpoint. So, what were your reactions on this midpoint episode? I thought it was a lot of fun. Kind of a set-up episode, but I still thought it was good. Dave, what did you think? <laughs> I was disappointed. I didn't like it much at all. <laughs> I know we're not rating it, but if, if we did, I was only going to give it two out of five Borg tentacles. that come out of nowhere, by the yes. way. <laughs> there, there were, for me, there was too many convenient plot points and... The the uh, repeating char- characters that return to the show. I'm like, I roll. I did. Is what is this? Is that just trying to show up? How much they love these characters and they just plug them in. I like, I can't see the reason why Q would make up a world with this. And like, you know, it's just uh, I don't know. To me, it's a, it's it was disappointing. I, I shake my head. <laughs> <laughs> I guess right, I'm kind of in between because I didn't. Yeah dislike it but i understand what you're saying because it didn't feel like it gave us as much as the rest of the episodes have lately like like you said kind of filler it's like all right let me fill in some backstory a little bit here a little bit there but yeah some of the stuff like really with the the board queen i'm like come on and then and i'm like what so (laughs) That makes me think that my theory from one of the earlier episodes might be coming true. So there's just a lot of questions, basically. It opened up and it just had me kind of scratching my head. Oh, absolutely. And that was the thing that I found the most interesting is, damn, there's a lot of questions that (laughs) we need answers for. And there's almost no way to really, you know, you can say, okay, Q is really trying to screw Picard completely. But then again, he might not be. So what the hell is going on? <laughs> I know. Even Q is out of uh, out of character. I don't get it. Maybe I, I understand there's something wrong with him. And he's not as powerful as he was, although he just seems to be pulling strings everywhere. Except, And I just didn't get why uh, um, this upcoming character, the Watcher, looks like Laris. Like, why? Yeah. Yeah, they haven't explained <laughs> that. I was hoping they would. Yeah. And I, I do have the question about Q, though. It's like. Why are you doing this? Because you've never directly tried to hurt Picard. Yeah, just I test mean, him. indirectly. Yeah, it seems. But this just seems weird. Like, why are you trying to get it to that point? Yeah, I'm a little surprised that this Laris character, well, doesn't know what a Q is. I mean, they're right. omnipotent, yes. <laughs> omnipotent people from across the universe watching things to make sure the timelines stay the same. What's a Q? What's a Q? Are you kidding? <laughs> 
I don't know. This one had me shaking my head. Yeah, I, I had questions about that, too, because that didn't seem to make sense. It's like, all right, if you know all this stuff, but really you only know something about one particular thing. Well, she did say it's only one thread, but yeah, I get that part. But you should have an idea who the Q are. Well, yeah. not necessarily. Because Gary Seven wasn't an alien. He was a human that was recruited by aliens. Why couldn't uh, Tannen be the same thing? She's just human, but she's, you know, the the aliens gave her the tech to try to keep Renee safe. So that's an awfully big job from uh, an intelligence from across the universe or galaxy. Yeah, Yeah, that's my job. (laughs) I don't know. That doesn't bother you, lady. <laughs> and why do you look like somebody's girlfriend yeah. <laughs> in the future? <laughs> and it's a Romulan. Uh, I, you know, and I, I don't think we're going to get the answers. I'm like, I don't know. I hope we do. Yeah. It's going to be something that is so far out there that we could never have thought of it to begin with. <laughs> I, I just hope it isn't too far out there. Right. Because, yeah. Because I'm really like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are we going to be sitting there like, huh? Is that what it's yeah. going to end up being? I know. <laughs> well, let's get into episode five, Fly Me to the Moon. Picard d- discovers an important person from his past may be integral to the divergence in the timeline. Q continues his manipulation of the timeline, taking an interest in Dr. Adam Soon. Seven and Rafi attempt a daring rescue of Rios, while Girardi faces the consequences of her deal with the Borg Queen. <laughs> Never play chess with a board queen. No. <laughs> so this episode opens up with a young woman from the end of the last episode, but she's on a spaceship and then she's in trouble. There's a problem apparently with debris from a Russian satellite collision that's endangering the ship. Juxtaposed against this scene is a calm apartment that the watcher and Admiral Picard beam into. Yeah, it's another part of her job that she, if she's a human being. <laughs> she's beaming around like that. That's why I think she's not a human being. Unless that's just the tech that this race. Yeah, gave I think her. it is. I think it's just the tech. Though, of course, it. I can't really say that because we saw that apparently in the previous episode with all the people with glazed eyes over that it was yeah. jumping from one to another human. So maybe she isn't a human. Yeah, maybe. Well, this woman confirms she's not Laris, and she has no idea who Q is back in the ship. And who's watching Picard in the future, I would like to know. Why they give up? (laughs) Back in the ship, things go uh, are getting critical. The ship is about to be destroyed, and then the lights come on. The young woman is in the simulator, and she's been – if she'd be in space, she'd be dead. She's very frustrated, but a voice assures her that she'll be fine. She's got voices in her head, too. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a pre-launch jitters. We learn that the launch is in three days, which is especially interesting because it's becoming clear that the launch, or maybe lack thereof, is what's going to create the entire timeline divergence. I like to see him explain that one, too. How? Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't go into space. <laughs> and and it, that, But mankind still does anyway, but as a totalitarian. We'll have to see. See, I'm really, I'm really riffing on this one. It's, it bothered me. Back, back in the Watcher's apartment, Talon, the Laris lookalike, reveals that she's devoted to protecting one person. She doesn't know anything about the changes to the timeline. Yeah, doing a good job, lady. What she does know <laughs> is that the person she's protecting is Renee Picard, Jean-Luc's ancestor, and the woman in the spaceship at the Chateau. It seems that Agnes hasn't held up her end of the bargain and has left the Borg Queen alone. The Queen decides to wreak some havoc. 
and managed to place a call to the local authorities claiming that a woman is being attacked at the Picard Vineyard. This doesn't bode well, but there are some more pressing matters. Specifically, Rappi and Seven still have to rescue Rios, and they can't quite agree how to go about it. Seven wants to maintain the timeline's integrity, while Rappi wants to get him out at any cost. Rappi relents, and, and Seven manages to generate an EMP that stops the bus. Rios knows exactly what's happening and warns his fellow passengers to be ready to move quickly. Rafi and Seven manage to rescue Rios, and then the other passengers escape from the ice custody, walking off into the desert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the apartment, Talon says she is chosen as a supervisor. Jean-Luc makes a connection to Gary Seven from the original uh, episode, an assignment Earth in which Mr. Seven is uh, on a mission to 1960s Earth to make sure humans don't wipe themselves out with nuclear weapons. Worthy cause. He was also recruited to protect history. There's a definite connection. I have a question. Why would you not have somebody on the bus that spoke Spanish guard-wise? Or shouldn't shouldn't they learn? I mean, (laughs) in case they're all going to rise up and do something, because Rafi's just like, all right, let me just talk in Spanish. No big deal. I'm just like, maybe you should know what's going on. And shut up. Shut up. Maybe that's just to exemplify what an idiot this guy is. He can't even be bothered to pick up a few words or Spanish. He was stupid. (laughs) Yes. And I'm glad that they're tying it into the original series because I had no idea about Gary Seven. This was before I really started watching. So that was great. Because, you know, give us a little bit of that backstory there. Oh, I want the cat back. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> they even think about cats, don't they? They yeah. keep mentioning it. It's like is there really like a is the whole thing gonna be you have to save a cat? I mean how <laughs> how messed like, up would that be? <laughs> I, I really don't remember. I thought the cat was something was something magical about the cat too, because yes, uh, Gary Seven always spoke yes. spoke to the cat and the cat was just an avatar. It's a flurkin of, of something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It changed forms. Yeah. So I don't. That's why I. This seems to be inconsistent with the uh, watcher that's watching Renee. What if that was Luna, the dog from uh, <laughs> Guinan's place? Right. <laughs> How weird would that be? Oh my goodness! All right, there's a lot of what ifs. We can go down those rabbit holes later. <laughs> uh, Jean Luc asks to learn more about Renee, and Talon tells him that she's never met the young woman. She watches, but make sure to never be seen. That sounds creepy. (laughs) Talon also shares Renee's struggles with depression and anxiety. Oh, like most people. Got it. She's not doing well, though. She may not be on the Europa mission after all. And that could possibly be the thing that changes history in three days. But, you know, we don't know. There's a lot of what ifs here, too. Talon shows Picard videos of Renee's therapy sessions, which I love how Picard was so outraged. Right. Those are private. It's like, dude, you're trying to make sure that if she kills a plant, the entire timeline goes wonky, you know, so pay attention here. Yeah, that was another inconsistency that bothered me. (laughs) I just love the outrage. Um, (laughs) But we get to see Renee's self-doubt and numbness that she talks about. And Jean-Luc's astonished that her therapist seems to be encouraging her to give in to her fear. I'm like, did you not catch the voice? Because I figured yes. it out. <laughs> and the therapist is telling her, maybe you're not ready for the mission. And that's when John Lou's like, hold up, hold up. Change this camera angle. It's like, <laughs> how are we even seeing this? Is it like little invisible cameras? Like, 
What's going on here? But when we turn the angle, we see that it is none other than Q. The omnipotent being is using this young woman to alter the timeline, presumably. If she's not on the mission, the grim future that Picard and his crew experience will come to pass. Why would will you it? want that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just seems so strange, and there's like so many questions. But in the next scene, we're greeted by a familiar voice, Adam Sung. The first time we've seen him, besides the hologram on Eradication Day, which was creepy, is telling a group of people about a potential of the human genome. I will tell you when this came back up, because this is when my episode paused for a commercial right before it. And at first we're like, wait, is this like this show? Because yeah. <laughs> is this still a commercial? <laughs> But based on what he's saying, it's as though he's advocating for genetic manipulation to unlock, quote unquote, perfection, a.k.a. eugenics. That is not a good thing. At least we haven't seen good come out of that in the past. Right. The presentation does not go well. And soon returns to a very nice home, driving his Tesla, and we see his daughter greet him, Corey. Um, also, was that Leah Tom- Thompson? Yes. Is what, yes. Okay. I was like, wait a second. Back to the future much? Okay. I'm going to throw that little Easter egg in there. I missed her direction this time. I thought she did a better job than the current director. Uh, that was Jonathan Frake, so uh, that's <laughs> tread <right>. lightly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I forgot that. He, she still did a better job. Well, he can only... We've seen some Do fun. what he can with the right. script exactly. he's given. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, it becomes clear where the inspiration for the android Soji has come from. And Corey is played by Isa Bri- How do you say your last name? Brionis? Mm-hmm. Yep. It turns out that Song is obsessed with the human genome because Corey has a genetic defect that meant she can't even breathe a speck of dust and any exposure to UV light is deadly. He wants to save his daughter, of course, but he doesn't know how. Soon tells Tori. Corey that he'll do anything to cure her and it's ominous because it's pretty easy to see how desperate he is and how that desperation can make him the villain. Then a flashback to the time with the committee reveals that Sung was involved with military experiments on soldiers. Not good. (laughs) No. Super soldier much? Yeah. We know that Adam Song's descendant, Eric Sung, um, worked on genetic engineering in tw- the 2100s, thanks to Star Trek Enterprise episode arc that began with Borderland. It's possible that the experiments the committee refers to are tied to Khan Norian Singh and the argument who we learn about in the original series, Space Seed and Star Trek The Wrath of- to The Wrath of Khan, which we also seen remade later. Didn't like the second one, second time around. No. The committee head who's played by Leah Thompson. Chides Sung for breaking the Shenzhen Convention. Presumably, it has something to do with experimental genetic mutations. I'm like, wait, are we going to get mutants out of this somehow? What's going on? (laughs) She revokes his funding and his license. Dun, dun, dun. And he's left with nothing, unable to continue his genetic research. So this, of course, does not bode well. Because Sung is watching his daughter sleep. Desperate, he gets a lifeline. Apparently, he had to be knocked down to his lowest level in order for this to work out. So, research suddenly appears on his computer, and he receives instructions to call Q. Soon meets with Q, and he has no patience for the omnipotent beings games. Does anybody really have patience for those games? No. (laughs) But Q points out that Adam is desperate, and, well, he's right. 
Q gives Sung a supposed cure for Corey and doesn't name his price, which of course we know will go over perfectly well and it'll be nothing but up and up, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> the price will come later and I'm sure everything will work out just fine. Yeah. <laughs> Or Zoom doesn't know what he's getting himself into. <laughs> yeah. I still tr- I tried to build a future where Corey is the, uh, you know, tablet or inspiration for Soji. That That's hundreds of years later. Right. So yeah, there's a picture, hologram. Very maybe, possibly. Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't see why, though. N- none of these other things had uh, offspring. I was, when I well, started, there weren't that many humans. <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, at home, Adam hands the cure to Corey and she injects herself. They're protected by a shield that's remarkably similar to the one surrounding Earth in the Confederation future. Very true. But there's a problem. It appears to be temporary. It wears off and Corey almost dies. Soon is going to need more of it if he wants Corey to live a normal life. That rat. Yes, of that course. That Q, Q, that is. Yeah. There was no way it was going to be permanent <laughs> because the price will come later. Mm. Back in Talon's apartment, the watcher is asking some very good questions about Q. Questions we're all asking ourselves. <laughs> That's for sure. If Q is ominous, which might not be the case at this point, given what we've seen, then why is he messing with this mission in such a subtle way? Either way, they need to make sure Renee gets on that flight, which means ensuring that she makes it into the pre-launch quarantine. And they have 15 hours before that happens. Yeah, but she did mention it's almost impossible to back out once you're in quarantine. Yes. Just her saying almost, it's like, oh, that's probably not good either. Right. There's always a possibility she could go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and then get her (laughs) out of there. Renee is attending a gala that evening and Jean-Luc wants to monitor her to make sure nothing happens to her at the party. He decides to contact the ship. Unfortunately, things aren't going well over there. A police officer arrives in response to the Borg Queen's call. He (laughs) thinks everything is normal, but he catches a glimpse of the ship as its cloaking device fluctuates. Oh, I couldn't stand that either. So much yeah. back. Uh, of course, he spotted yeah. it. Yeah, well, the ship's still repairing itself. So, well, Agnes, I, I want to know how Agnes is just like, eh, I can't hear anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's well, back in the uh, she's back in the mansion. Well, what's left? Right. Yeah, she was asleep on the couch, and how the police yeah. officer didn't see her, I don't know. But I don't know. So while Agnes is asleep, the officer enters the La Serena with the Borg Queen imitating the voice of a frightened woman calling out in order to draw him in. Yeah, did someone leave the screen door open? Yeah. <laughs> Not only does he spot a cloaked ship with a flashlight, he found the way in, too. Yeah. Yeah. So much for security. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure the Borg Queen opened the door for him. Did she? Yep. The meeting is not pretty, and she attacks him. And we see here the Borg Queen calling out to Agnes, who wakes up and returns to the ship, finding the Queen slowly strangling her captive. The Queen could assimilate the officer, but she'd rather have Agnes. So why didn't she grab her earlier? Yes! With her with her uh, snake-like appendage. Yeah, she why understands. Now? Yeah. <laughs> She understands Dr. Girardi's loneliness, but Agnes' response is to shoot her. And you think, damn. Yeah. I honestly thought she was going to shoot the cop because right. that way she couldn't do anything. 
So I was a little surprised with what happened. Right. Agnes beams Rio, Seven, and Rafi back, who are immediately concerned because Dr. Girardi is covered in blood. She confirms that she killed the Borg Queen, but managed to save the police officer. Agnes heals him and gives him a serum to make him forget his traumatizing experience. Now they just have to move him back into <laughs> his car. Without a spleen, though. Yeah. <laughs> And that's just when Picard and Talon beam in. <laughs> Talon's going, uh, say what? Best crew ever. <laughs> yeah, just as Picard is trying to convince the Watcher that working with his team is the correct move. Yeah. Yeah, I same- absolutely love that moment. She's like, is this normal? He's like, I'm sure they have an explanation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's no big deal. Is that yeah, a I'm dead sure he's not dead. They're dragging <laughs> out. <laughs> At the same time, Q confirms to Adam soon that he has an actual cure, not just a temporary one. And Adam soon is resigned to do whatever it takes to save his daughter. Q confesses he has certain limitations. Is this why his powers aren't working correctly? And he needs soon to remove an obstacle. Picard. I wonder if he thinks it's something to do with, like, the whole lineage. Like, Q's messed up because he was so invested in Picard or something. Could be. Because we already hear heard that John Luke at least remembered that she did go out to Io and find life. Yeah. Or Sentient life. doesn't want anything to happen. I don't know. This is so weird. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it, it's, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yep, right now it sure doesn't. Now, Jean-Luc briefs the team on what he's learned, and if Renee isn't on that Europa flight, it will lead to the Confederation. I wouldn't be so sure about that. He also reveals that Renee will discover a sentient microorganism on Io and will bring it back to Earth. They have to protect her at this gala, but security is incredibly tight. Talon can get one person in, but it'll only work for a short amount of time because there are active facial recognition scans during the party. Yeah, talk about security. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty good. Their security is a lot better. <laughs> In two years, yeah. we got this going, you know, this kind of security going, like, way over the top. Like, hmm. Right. It's interesting. How does one commu- uh, communicate with a sentient microorganism? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Those tiny little squeaky voice. <laughs> it's Probably, moving on high uh, Using, what, some electrostatic pulses <laughs> yeah. of some sort. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Someone has to get inside the security room in order to hack in and add their profiles to the guest list. That's where Agnes comes in. And <laughs> everybody's mouth just dropped. Yes. <laughs> so what? With her just happening to take ancient coding. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that that had me like, really? Y- you literally said records from this time period were sketchy and she just... Yeah. Happened to know how to deal with computers from that time. Okay. (laughs) That's why I feel bad for Jonathan Frankston. I'm like, what is he working with here? Right. She gets into the party, but is flagged by security and ends up handcuffed in the surveillance room. It seems like everything is going to plan until we see a flashback to Agnes shooting the Borg Queen. It turns out before she died, the Queen managed to inject her with nanoprobes possibly either starting the process of assimilation or maybe transferring her consciousness into Agnes. And now the Borg Queen is in Agnes's head. This is why I'm wondering if my theory from that Borg Queen we've seen at the first episode could be Agnes. Right. And plus, Very I possible. it was kind of funny that security's like, oh, we have somebody talking to themselves. So yeah. She must be crashing. It's like, what? 
<laughs> I can't believe Agnes was that careless. Yeah. And she knew all this time of being so careful yeah. and being this careless right at the end. And plus the fact that uh, the Borg Queen could have done it any time, apparently, if she had some appendage coming out of her, wherever it came out of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I just yeah, grabbing that, her assimilator there. What's, uh, what's all the uh, Kabuki theater for, for? Right. Well, I think, this, you know, everything the Borg Queen does is a long play. So she had to really get into Agnes's head and do her little weaving and but she now she's dead though. And and I had a problem with the the death scene too. I'm like, wow, this lady can really hang on. She gets close up with a shotgun. She's like talking away and oh, that's not and, and then brings her closer. I'm like, she should have been like cut in half or yes. something with a 300-year-old <laughs> shotgun or whatever that was. Yeah. You would think but yeah, that was quite the jump when uh, we see Agnes handcuffed to the chair, and then you see the arm go around her, and they pull, <laughs> they pan back. <laughs> it's the board queen. Oh, this is a good plan. I was wondering if she had legs or not. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> seems like she did, but they didn't show anything. Right, but it it doesn't matter. That's but, just in Gerardi's yeah. head. So, yep. <laughs> so I guess that leads us up to to Easter eggs and theories. I love, well, I bet uh, Sean liked the part about the voices too. When the Borg Queen yeah, hijacks. cracking me up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. When the Borg Queen hijacks the voice controls of La Sana's computer, she tries out various voices first. Although the Borg Queen is not a android, this concept seems to be a reference to the idea of different androids in the Trek canon doing the exact same thing. Oh, what was that? What was that movie where the guy could imitate, oh, the monster and imitate voices? Was right. uh, Oh, I'll get it. Don't worry. Next Generation fans might consider there's a reference to the episode Brothers in which Data hijacks the Enterprise and famously imitates Picard's voice and then locks the computer using complicated password. which goes like this. I'm not going to read that. No. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Whole was it Victor and Charlie some seven yeah. in there? Yeah. Like, number, 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 a couple words. Number, 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 Tango, Victor, Charlie. Sadly, the Borg Queen doesn't do any fanciest or hilarious long numerical statements like that, but she does imitate several voices in the crew, including Picard, Gerardi, and eventually Rios. Should have said it in Spanish. Yep. <laughs> His toggling of different voices is probably a deeper cut to the original series episode, What a Little Girl's Made Of, in which the ancient android Rook easily imitates the voices of Nurse Chapel and Captain Kirk. I had forgotten about that one. Yep. Nurse Chapel? I don't even know who that is. <laughs> What's that? Have you seen the new Nurse Chapel? No. Yep. Total babe. Yeah. <laughs> well, back in the day, Nurse Chapel yeah. was a babe, so <laughs> for six, early 60s. Of course, in that show, everyone wore a short dress unless you were yes. a guy. Like, holy smokes. So there was a Gary Seven reference, as hinted at in the previous episode. Talon is part of the same organization of supervisors that Gary Seven was part of an, on uh, the episode Assignment Earth, but she knows nothing of Q's. Picard says, Kirk's Enterprise crossed paths with a human called Gary. Gary Seven! Talon vaguely nods at the reference, which can imply that she neither either knew Gary Seven or was aware of the incident, or she just looked confused. Talon yeah, also like mentioned... Just shaking your head, he'll keep going. Yeah, he'll figure yeah. it out. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like a little old lady that saw a, a, a Khonshu monster or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> she tried to get her apartment. Huh? 
Talib also mentions that she doesn't like time travelers, but she's aware of that. Okay. Which echoes Gary Seven's disapproval of Kirk and Spock hanging around in 1968 in The Next Generation. I mean, the original series episode, Assignment Earth. In that episode, Gary was exactly assigned to watch over one person, but like Talon, he was assigned to prevent any interference in the timeline from Melders. These guys aren't doing their jobs. However, very well. (laughs) In Assignment Earth, it was eventually revealed that Kirk, Spock, and the Enterprise were probably part of the same predestination paradox because history seemed to record everything happening exactly as it happened in the episode. What Picard has established in that is that the supervisors were embedded in Earth to a much greater extent than the uh, Assignment Earth episode revealed. The only question is now, what happened to the shape-shifting cat, Isis? Well, I love that you got by Amit. Yeah, <laughs> crossover. I love that we have that uh, moment with Sung and Q when he mentions about how people want him to uh, clone their cats. Get right, Rich. right. <laughs> and then we have all this kind of cat thing going through the entire show, basically, because Gerardi mentions it. We see the. Uh, like fake cat that she has and it's like okay what's with the cats all of a sudden yeah i know there's a real cat yeah (laughs) isis was a cat when we saw her back in the day so yeah we may still see some form of isis again hope so yep so speaking of seeing someone again leah thompson it's good to see you again and a doctor vasilio rashenko as adam soon is pitching his ideas about genetic research to some kind of board of trustees two of the members should be very familiar the woman who shouts down soon is dr diane Verner, played by uh, leah thompson most famous for her role as lorraine mcfly in all three back to the future films leah thompson is also director of two previous episodes of picard season two this episode was directed by jonathan frakes Sorry, John. (laughs) Her directing credits uh, just previous to Picard include DC Stargirl, which on the after show, The Ready Room, she was partially attributed to her being hired by a Star Trek team. Small world. Yep. A small galaxy. Sitting right next to her is a man who a placard reads, Dr. Vasily Oshenko. This is a clear reference to the family who adopted Worf in The Next Generation. Worf's parents were Sergei and Helena Oshenko. These two characters, played by Theodore Bickle and Georgia Brown, first appeared in The Next Generation episode Family, which is also the first Trek episode that established the existence of Chateau Picard, not to mention a relative of Jean-Luc's name, uh, Jean-Luc's name, René. I think uh, the MCU or Marvel Universe does all these Thread springing a little better. This just seemed a little clumsy to me. <laughs> when when Soong is shouted out by Leah Thompson's character, she mentions that he has running genetic experiments, privatized military organization, spearhead operations. Like previous episodes, a reference to the sci-fi series 12 Monkeys, Terry Metallic's show before he became the current showrunner of Picard. In 12 Monkeys, Spearhead is a private military organization that is doing all sorts of experiments trying to cure a plague that was ravaging the Earth. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. Yeah. They do love their properties. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Within the narrative of 12 Monkeys, Spearhead is depicted as as less than critical, and the heroes of that series are often at odds with the members and former members of Spearhead. But the 12 Monkeys connection doesn't end there. At the very end of the episode, when Gerardi is captured by security guards at the gala, the two security guards mentioned she's a trespasser. Ramsey said to get her prince. This is a reference to the 12 Monkey characters, Jose Ramsey, which is played by Kirk Acevedo, who is the best friend of Time Jesus, also known as James Cole or Aaron Stanford. What? <laughs> How did I miss that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. you got to be careful. One, uh, watch Terry's that, Sean. Me. Terry is <laughs> yeah, killing me. I have to throw these. that in there. 
In season one of 12 Monkeys, Ramsey was accidentally sent back in time and lived as a quasi-immortal from the 1980s as well as to the 2040s. Somebody had to do it. At one point, he was enormously identified as the witness, which sounds a lot like the watcher. Ramsey also briefly worked out for the army of the 12 Monkeys who wanted to eradicate linear time and create the Red Forest. In Picard season two, if someone drinks red tea in this show, I'm going to just flip out. Yes. <laughs> in Picard season two, the Boar Queen is muttering about the Red Forest in episode two. God. Oh my God! I got to go back and watch them all because I'm totally missing the Twelve Monkey uh, like Easter eggs. There's more. <laughs> so uh, when John Luke's ancestor Renee Picard, played by Penelope Mitchell, shows her passport again into the gal, we briefly get a glimpse of her birthday, which is November twenty second, nineteen ninety six. This in our universe, that's the date uh, Star Trek uh, first contact hit theaters. It also looks like Renee renewed her passport on some September twenty fourth, twenty seventeen, which is the date that Star Trek Discovery debuted its first two episodes. Obviously, but the film First Contact in his series uh, Star Trek Discovery, the inception of Star Trek Picard, and thus the character of Rene Picard wouldn't exist. <laughs> That's crazy how they throw those little things in. Like, I couldn't even read the passport that well. Yeah, it was very difficult. So, people who find these, seriously, when you're going, like, frame by frame, first of all, you got way more patience than me, and second, you know, kudos to you that you guys are finding these Easter eggs, because there's no way I would be able to find all this. Rabbit holes for sure. Yes. And speaking of rabbit holes, we do have some feedback from our friend Fred from the Netherlands. Let's see if he's got a rabbit hole or two for us to jump into. Hello, Steve and Dave. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 5. I gave this episode a 7 on IMDb. A little less than previous episodes because I have quite some problems with using actors in kind of new roles. Don't let me be misunderstood. I really like these actors and the roles they play, but it's just because of the story. So having Isa Briones as core soon. Okay, that they use Brent Spiner as an ancestor of Dr. Noonien Soon as Adam Soon is still more or less okay. Having Orla Brady without Romulan ears as the Watcher called Talon, bit too much. The creators have to come with a very, very good story to convince me that this is all logical. And also a little weak here was when the Borg Queen was calling for the local French police that uh, a police officer just went into a semi-cloaked spaceship on his own. But okay, we need that for the story. Furthermore, I have to make a remark as a geneticist. The Watcher tells Jean-Luc Picard that René Picard is one of his ancestors, whereas later on Rios make the remarks about one of Picard's great-aunts. Well, you're not a descendant of your great-aunt, but on the other hand, this is Rios. He always makes uh, statements that are fuzzy and not completely accurate and half a joke. Having Agnes Girati being assimilated, more or less, is of course a very teasing story. I thought this would be the end of any worshipping as the Borg Queen in Picard, but since uh, Agnes is obviously imagining her 
she will probably be around, which is nice. I've only found it very silly that Agnes came so close to the Borg Queen and let her touch her. But okay, we just need that for the story, which is quite appealing. I really wonder if we will see Guinan back in the old or the younger version. Would be nice. Going to this gala reminded me a little bit of the season 1 episode Stardust City Rag. Okay, that will be all for this time. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Well, Fred, old buddy, you read my mind. Yes, I was <laughs> about to say, you are in lockstep. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, worst episode of Picard ever. Sorry, I had to say it. <laughs> There's too many coincidences and too many uh, used characters. It just doesn't make sense. And climbing aboard the ship, Fred, you were dead on. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing, that I was like, oh, well, I, I feel like he was on the episode with us talking yeah. about <laughs> exactly what we were talking about. Because, yeah, you're just going to throw people in. It's like, okay, I get it. You know? <laughs> There better be a good no. explanation for this. Oh, I really think there will be. Okay. I do. You know, I had that prediction in the very first episode or episode two, you know, with Jean-Luc playing Lion King with his uh, <laughs> a son or daughter that him and Laris have. I think having the Watcher be so close to being his Laris that is going to get him more and more convinced that, yeah, he's missing out here and he needs to make some changes. I thought you were going to say make some babies. <laughs> oh, that's your idea, Dave. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or some back. Time to make some babies. What? <laughs> Don't yeah, worry. I'm, and- I'm a fully functional android. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That's a throwback to data. Yep. Absolutely. It was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we mentioned Core being played by Issa and the possibility that, yeah, one of the later Soons or Data was able to find that picture or, you know, it got passed down somehow. And that's how we ended up with uh, <laughs> who we have in the future. So, well, as always, Fred, we really appreciate your feedback and looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the next episode. Thanks, Fred. Thanks, Fred. We're part of the same collective. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season. Our deadline for feedback is 10 p.m. Eastern every Friday during the season. You can send your feedback via email or audio to contact us at fangirlzone.com. You can also go over to www.fangirlzone.com and click on the contacts link where you'll find several ways to contact us via email or through social media. For instance, you can talk to us on Twitter. Steve is at SalyerSteve. Dave is at the real underscore ID underscore Dave. I'm at Jetta528. Or you can contact all of us at FGZ Podcast, and we'll happily chat with you. Please review and rate us on iTunes. Good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us, as there are a lot of other Star Trek card podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and I hope you like our podcast. And don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. Yeah, have a new one coming out soon for Moon Knight. Well, the sixth episode is on April 7th and is entitled, What the Hell Are You Doing, Picard? (laughs) (laughs) No, we don't know what the damn title is. They don't put it out until next week. I know what the title is. What's a Q? Yeah. <laughs> Q who? 
So until then, remember. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And never trust a stranger bearing gifts. And I'm Chief Engineer Steve. This is a very bumpy century, but I think I'm getting the hang of it. And this is Redshirt Dave. Wow. Allison Pill in that red dress. <laughs> I guess we can rack up another starring episode for Agnes. 